Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Circle Opens, a podcast devoted to the works of Stephen King. Need an affordable source for Stephen King books, movies, collectibles, and more? Make sure to visit Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Listeners of this podcast can use the coupon code THECIRCLE for 20% off their order anytime, and there's always free shipping to the United States. That's Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Circle Opens, a podcast devoted to Stephen King and The Stand. Today, I am happy to welcome back Sean from the What Doesn't Matter podcast, and he is going to talk with me today, hopefully, about the last two episodes, if you don't mind going over the last two episodes, of The Stand from CBS All Access. Hi, Sean. Hey, Thanks for having me back. No problem. How has your year been? It's weird. Yeah. Um, it's not, um, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> a little bit of, <laughs> That's as well as an answer I could expect. It's only 17 days into 2021. And this really kind of feels like 2020B. Whereas last year was 2020A, so I'm I'm kind of just hanging on, trying to just at least get through the month and let's hope next month it'll start, I guess, going in an upward angle. Because right now everything kind of sucks. So, but a positive from this whole crap of a year so far has been The Stand on CBS All Access. And I say a positive because I kind of am on a roller coaster of emotion watching the show. I have found... I'm with you. Yeah, I have found bits of it that I have loved. And then there have been parts of it where I kind of come away from it disappointed or just flat out not caring for the direction. Yeah, and this week it finally went linear. And I just... I uh, There were some things I liked in it. Um, Dana Jurgens in lingerie for one. Mm-hmm. is uh, a high point of the episode for me because I'm a perv and a pig <laughs> and a male, which I think that just puts it all together. Yeah, I get it. Um, were you able to see any footage of Giovanni Ribisi in The Postman? I looked and I looked, and the only things I could find were, were strange Kevin Costner clips, um, but nothing with Giovanni Ribisi. The only thing that I managed to find last night was that he was a Scientologist, which kind of ruined my entire evening. So thank you for that. <laughs> hey, no problem. <laughs> but other than that, I did not find anything. So I'm curious, what is this connection? Okay, so his character in The Postman is very um, overzealous. And he was always like, talky, talky, and kind of hyper, hyper, hyper. And Lloyd Henry... Is that Lloyd? That's totally like that. Okay. I have thoughts on Lloyd. <laughs> but that makes a lot of sense because I can see Giovanna Ribisi in that kind of role. I'm sure I've seen him in that kind of role before. But I have never seen The Postman. I think that, is that another Kevin Costner post-apocalyptic movie? Yes, it is. And it's excellent, even though it's uh, it gets really, really bad reviews and I don't know why. It's so good. Is it? Better or worse than Waterworld? Anything is better <laughs> than Waterworld. That's fair. I did not enjoy Waterworld. Well, here's what happens in Hollywood, though, is that... So, Waterworld tanked. There was this big piece of shit. So, and it happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. Your movie's a piece of shit. Your next movie, whether it's good or not, it's just going to get tanked. Mm-hmm. The, the, the critics are just going to trash it all over the place. 
and it doesn't matter because you've already screwed what up. What does it matter? Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at look at um, uh, what, what's his name? Adam Sandler. Oh yeah, he gets one bad comedy, and all of a sudden, like, oh, his next movie it automatically sucks, whether it does or doesn't. I mean, lately, I mean, come well, on, to be I'm fair, lately most of his movies have not been great, but he does have several that I think are um really really good. So I could I could talk about Adam Sandler for a while, but that's. That's not why we're here. Well, the early years <laughs> the early- are, are great. Uh, yeah. The early years. Uh, minus Mixed Nuts. I loved it when was I was he younger. Was Mixed recently Nuts? viewed it. Yeah. I just watched that for the first time, not last year, but 2019. My husband made me watch it because he loves Steve Martin. And I knew it was Nora Ephron. So, of course, I had to watch it. But I don't remember Adam Sandler. Who was he? Well, he talked like this the whole time, and he played his ukulele and sang his songs, and that's what he did because that's his thing. I don't remember. Obviously, I think maybe I'm so used to that right now with him that it just yeah. kind of blends into the background anymore. Like it's just like, okay, it's Adam Sandler. Um, yeah, that was yeah, that was an okay movie. I thought it was fine. It was, it was all right. Yeah, it was fine. So I thought first we would talk about the House of the Dead. If you remember enough about uh, episode four. Um, I'm going to read the synopsis of it real quick off of Wikipedia just to kind of refresh the memory because I'm doing this uh, two weeks after the fact. And Wikipedia says, and I I don't always like these synopsis, but I didn't have time to write my own. So (laughs) (laughs) Wikipedia says, on the road together, Harold confesses his feelings to Franny, but she rejects him. They are ambushed by a serial rapist, keeping women captive who chains Franny up and brutally beats Harold. Stu and Glenn arrive, having followed Harold's signs, and a firefight breaks out. Dana Jurgens, one of the rapist captives, kills him with a crowbar. I think it was a pipe. I don't think it was a crowbar. Anyway, Stu explains the dreams and paintings to Franny, who agrees to travel to Boulder along with a reluctant Harold. Nick and Tom, also traveling to Boulder, encounter an unstable woman named Julie Lowry, who kisses Nick but begins ridiculing Tom's mental handicap, leading a disillusioned Nick to abandon her. She fires at the two men with a shotgun as they depart, and Tom saves Nick's life. In Boulder, the committee votes to send three spies across the mountains to identify the threat made by Drogon. Franny nominates Dana Jurgens, with whom she has formed a bond. Larry nominates Judge Harris, the oldest member of the community, which I would think that'd be Mother Abigail, but again, whatever. And Glenn nominates Tom Cullen. Nadine approaches Harold and quickly seduces him, convincing him to help her kill Mother Abigail and the committee. Harold devises a plan to use avalanche control explosives. While taking the explosives from the outskirts of town, they are spotted together by Teddy Wiesak, Harold's friend and partner on the body crew. Nadine shoots Wiesak dead to cover their tracks and he dies in Harold's arms. I think that (laughs) I'm trying to really sort through my thoughts on this episode because there were a lot of parts of it that I liked. But then I think this was the episode where I finally came to accept the fact that they took the foundation of the stand and they're creating their own story with it. They've kind of I'm not I'm not expecting it to follow the book anymore but i am expecting various parts of the book to show up but in my head this is a completely different story does that make sense i'm with you 
I'm totally with you. Okay. Because, and I wonder as I'm watching this, because as, as I've told you before, you know, my husband is watching this with me. He's never read the book, never seen the series. The only things he knows are things I've told him over the years. And I don't even know that he remembers anything I've told him. So I'm constantly explaining to him the differences between these episodes and the book without, hopefully without spoiling him on what's to come, because he's very intrigued by this show. And I think that if you're not a fan of the book or the sh- or the series, um, this might be a really good show. Like you might really love what's happening. But as somebody who has read the book many times, I'm sure you would agree that I find myself wondering what pushed them to make the changes that they made. Yeah, some of the changes make zero sense. Well, and for instance, for example, Glenn being the one to nominate Tom. In the book, it comes from Nick, and it means more coming from Nick because Nick is the one who knows that Tom is capable of doing this, of being the spy. They're closer to their their friendship is much closer than Glenn would have with Tom. So I sat and I'm like, what is the what goes into the decision of having Glenn speak up instead of Nick? It's such a minuscule change that it just seems almost unnecessary. Yeah, and uh, well, actually. That entire scene was good, but not... There were better scenes in that entire episode. Right. But some of those changes were just... Did they do it just because they could? Or is this like this story going to you know, tell us more in the next four weeks? Right. Is there a reason behind it? And that's why I yeah. try not to jump ahead and um, get too upset with it. Because in my head, I'm thinking, well, okay, maybe there's a reason... Uh, I was also a little disappointed with the um, the zoo scene, which really wasn't even the zoo, I guess, because it was just one guy with um, Dana, and uh, the woman was met, was um, listed on IMDb as Sue, so I don't know if she was supposed to be Sue Stern, who had a much bigger role in yeah, in yeah. the book, and then get shot in the head <laughs> as she's about to beat this guy to death, but. That whole scene had such potential to really show the horrors of what was happening in the world to these innocent people just trying to survive. And I felt like it kind of took it was like almost like a cop out to me. They didn't really want to show something that disturbing. So they just put in some redneck killjack to beat up Harold a little bit and make him question his his manhood and his ability to protect Fran. And then, of course, here comes Stu and Glenn to save the day. And it just, it felt very, um, I don't, I guess, I don't want to say convoluted, but maybe a little contrived in a way. So that was really disappointing to me too. Uh, what did you think about how they changed that? Cause I know we've talked about I that thought scene. It fit the story that they're telling now. Right. So it made sense for that. Right. Uh, I don't know if I would have, uh, wanted anything more than that for this story they're telling just because. It is really graphic, and it's yeah. kind of uh, at least you know what uh, I'm. I'm happy to announce that there was no mention of barbed wire, and yeah. I'm very, very happy. About I, I that. wouldn't want to. I yeah, I don't need to hear the details. <laughs> right. So I mean, first of all, and I can't believe I haven't said this yet, but mm-hmm. Owen Teague is the MVP of every episode he's, he's been in. Fabulous. He's just so fucking perfect in this. He's perfect, and my husband even said at the end of uh, episode five, he looked at me and he said. They could not have gotten a better actor that makes you not at all roof. Like he just seems completely unredeemable. But then he has a moment where he is. 
But that very last scene with Owen Teague in season or episode, I keep saying season episode five, <laughs> after they find out Abigail's gone, just that look. My husband was like, they just got the perfect actor for this role. And he has been great in every single scene, like every single scene he's been in. He's he makes even his scenes with Fran. And I like Odessa Young as Fran. I think that she embodies the character really well. But even in those scenes, he just kills it. It just is hard to to watch him against other people, especially lesser actors thus far. (laughs) Um, But he's been great. So I I can see where they were kind of pushing using that scene of the quote unquote zoo to push his continued, I guess. um, What word am I looking for? Becoming a little bit more antisocial and a pariah in the eyes of, you know, himself. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I. I guess I kind of just saw that after they they didn't combine Stu and Fran and Harold like they did in the book. They split them up again after their initial meeting. And I kind of had a feeling, oh, Stu's going to show up during the zoo scene and, you know, rescue Franny. And then that'll push Harold even farther away and into whatever. And. I mean, I get what you're saying. It does fit with the story they're telling. And like I said, after that episode, I kind of had to accept that this is a completely different. I don't want to say completely different, but this is a different version of the stand. And because of that, I think I think that I'm enjoying it and letting myself enjoy it more because of it, because I'm kind of I've stopped clinging to that hope that this will be, you know, very faithful to the source material. It's it's kind of odd, too, that. Harold is the only character so far that's actually got a fleshed out mm-hmm. storyline. Like yeah. everybody else is kind of like, oh, here's this guy. Here's what he did. Right. Oh, here's here's this woman. Here's what she does. And there's no like uh, development. Right. However, they've, they've used some of that to their advantage because I still think um, Tom and Nick saying goodbye when Tom oh, leaves to go to Vegas yeah. still had the emotional punch, even though I don't know these fucking people. It I just did. met Tom. Yeah. That was a great scene. Yeah, it was done really, really, really it well. It was. Um, I I liked Julie in the fourth episode where they first meet her. That was exactly how I would picture Julie in the book. Kind of yeah. just mentally unstable, just a horrible person. <laughs> and I, I wanted to warn you about the word, but I also just didn't want to oh, give you any yeah. kind of spoilers. So I kind of kept it to myself. But even that, like how it was done, was like, yeah, it's, it shows how awful and ugly she really yeah, is. She's, but it was kind of tastefully done. Yes. I wasn't cringing. I wasn't offended. I mean, that's Julie. Like I understood because yeah. that's who that character is. It wasn't Stu talking to tom that way you know what i mean so that fit the character it was fine Uh, (laughs) i have really come to like the guy who plays tom i think he's really balancing that line really well he is very he's just got that teddy bear quality about him that you want to protect him (laughs) and i think despite not really knowing his backstory not knowing a lot of nick's backstory like you said harold's the only one that we've really seen get any kind of backstory before the um the virus took over the flu but they still were able to i think i think the two actors had enough chemistry that i bought into their friendship fairly quickly yeah i'm trying to find the uh tom's uh introduction oh i love but i can't i can't (laughs) it's so good and he still has yet to finish it (laughs) no one will let him finish this (laughs) i feel so bad because he even says it's so much to remember and then he 
has to start over. And then people yeah. just talk or interrupt or that horrible woman in the fifth episode where she tells him to shut the fuck up. I was just like, let him just finish. <laughs> I want to know what he's saying. I God do damn too. It. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought the way that they did the, like you said, the committee meeting was fine. It wasn't the best scene out of the entire episode. I, I'm so, and again, for that, what they're telling now, I get it, but I still don't really understand why they don't have Ray slash Ralph involved in the committee. Um, Wait, yeah, I mean, where the fuck has she been? She, she's just hanging out with Mother Abigail, and so I know and doing nothing. Yeah, I, she's done nothing so far, and it's like, well, then why did you even bother with the gender change if you're just not even going to use the character anyway? Well, we have four more episodes, so. I'm thinking maybe she'll take on a bigger role now that Mother Abigail has left. And because we know that she goes on the road with Glenn and Larry and Stu. So she yeah. has to. Ha right now, she's a non-factor for me. She's there to help Mother Abigail walk. And that's all I've seen her do so far. So I'm hoping that we see her a little bit more. Otherwise, I just don't understand what the point of her character would be. They could have sent somebody else with the three men at the end of, you know, to make their stand. They could have sent someone else. And the way that they're doing this miniseries, I don't, I wouldn't see why that kind of change would be a big deal because they've already changed so much. Yeah. Yeah. But I, it just, for me, it's, uh, they're really underutilizing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the other big complaint I've got too is that when the fuck are we going to hear Baby Can You Dig Your Man? I bet you that we will never hear the song. We only but we heard it. Oh, oh that's well, right. You'd already tuned out, but like they did play it <laughs> at the end of the uh, the preview thing. Yeah, but I bet that we will never hear the whole song, at ah, least not in the show. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because they just can't they can't make a decent song <laughs> out of those lyrics or what. But it's a good song. What I we know. heard was great. I know. Maybe if they release some kind of soundtrack, because the music in the show has been amazing. Um, Song-wise, yes. Score-wise, I'm really liking the acoustic stuff. The other stuff is kind of just there. I, yeah, I'm not really even it's paying much attention Snuffy to Walden's that. Not Snuffy Walden's 1994 no, score. No, it's even not, not going to be that iconic. But the actual, the, the music that they're using, especially during the end credits, I thought has been really uh -huh. perfect. Um, but, you know, the fourth episode was fine. Uh, it just, just setting up some more stuff. I, I like the introduction of Dana. I think that they picked a great actress for her. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of her before they send her off. But <laughs> Me too. Well, you got oh, to see oh, plenty wait, of I'm her sorry. in the fifth uh, episode. Thank you. But I did. I was very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pleased. Yes. Um, but anyway, this is not that kind of show. <laughs> I'll mark this as explicit before I upload it. But I haven't said anything yet. We, for all for all we know, I could have just liked the the silk um uh, top thingy, mabob, whatever it's the, I can't the glittery the fucking word. I liked her glittery pantsuit myself, but I could not pull it off. But she did. Oh, I've been wanting to ask somebody this because again. I'm the only person I know who's watching this that I can talk to face to face is my husband, and he doesn't know anything about Teddy from the book other than, you know, I just told him he has a smaller part in the book. But we know from the book he dies in the explosion orchestrated by Nadine and Harold. And I think my brain was going, okay, they're building up this friendship between Harold and Teddy, not only to humanize Harold, but to make Teddy's death more significant to Harold. 
So were you okay with Nadine being the one to shoot him? It worked for, like I said, like, I'm, I I don't know if I'm just like kind of like giving up and giving in or if I'm just going, <laughs> well, this is the story that they're telling now. Right. And I'm just kind of like surrendering to the flow of it. I kind of had a feeling when he found them in that little explosives shed that he was going to die, which was upsetting because I like Teddy and Harold. I think that having Teddy and Harold's life kind of made you think that Harold had a chance to, I guess not follow Nadine's path. Nadine is probably my biggest complaint about the series, which is upsetting for me because she's one of my favorite characters, but I'm not feeling any real complexity to the character. What do you think about that? I'm with you 100% on that, but there are some moments that I'm, I loved uh, uh, about um, an episode. Was that episode three? Blank page. Or was that the beginning? I think that's that the, the one with her. Episode four. Um, Nadine, Episode three with Nadine was the Ouija board. Well, okay, the planchette. Yes, yeah, okay. I loved that. And her uh, connecting to Flag through the planchette and, you know, getting hot and bothered at the kitchen table while Joe watches. Yeah, there's like a lot of little stuff yeah. from the book that kind of like, I'm I'm really happy yeah. that it's showing up. I mean, I still love Larry running into the dude that's going <laughs> to go to Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium. I was, yeah, I was floored by it. I even like said, like- Sometimes when I'm watching it, like, I'll say what's going to be said before it happens. And it's yeah. almost like spoilery territory for yeah. my wife, who's uh, read the book. And, right. I mean, she knows it well enough. But, yeah, it's uh, it's it's another problem with that character that they just, you know, haven't... Laura San Giacomo was okay in the role, too. Yeah. Like, But nobody's really nailed the role yet. Well, and I see a lot of that complexity with Harold. You can see where his anger... And rage comes from, but he also shows those moments of doubt and especially with Teddy, these thoughts that he could put aside all of that and, you know, have a life in Boulder and his, I think even his, you know, skepticism of killing Mother Abigail on the committee, you can see that he's like kind of fighting that in his head. But Nadine, from the moment, you know, she was having this fantasy with Flag. I just feel like she's gung-ho. She's ready to kill these people and get out of there. And in the book, and of course, I probably shouldn't, like you said, I shouldn't keep going back to the book, but she's she feels very black and white in the series. And in the book, she's very gray. She has both, you know, she's accepting her fate, but then she's also pushing against it, which I guess is what we were supposed to see uh, with her and Larry when she goes to Larry because she wants to sleep with him. And I think that's probably the closest I've seen Amber Heard come to the Nadine that I know. But that scene, that scene was fine, but in a way also kind of fell flat. And I think that was them telling us, hey, Larry is not going to sleep with her because she might regret it in the morning. And uh, okay. Yeah, but I thought that they, they pulled that off well because there's no Lucy Swan. So I, I thought, know. you know, I was curious how they were going to like be able to pull that off without him being like, yeah, but I'm married. And right. it was, like, I thought they pulled that off really well. Like he's, he's a good guy now. He's like, no, you know, yeah. what's Joe going to think? That's going to confuse Joe. Well, and they they dumped, he dumped his pills and he told her, you know, I don't want to sleep. From Larry's point of view without Lucy, it was good to, it was a good scene that kind of pushed his own character development. But I think because I haven't seen Nadine and Larry really together in the series other than a few flashbacks, I just wasn't as emotionally connected to the scene as I could have been. Yeah. And uh, I'm with you there. again, I might be just being a little too like 
these are my standards. <laughs> so you need to meet them when I, as a whole, you know, releasing myself from those standards. I'm really enjoying the series. I think it's really well done. My husband is really loving it. He was upset after the last episode because we have to wait a week to watch the next one because otherwise we would have probably binged the whole thing last night. But it's just there's little yeah. little bits and parts of it that I find myself just thinking, why can't they do it this way? Or why did they do this? Why are they changing this when it's so easy just to go by the source material? And I think my biggest thoughts, though, were on last week's episode, Fear and Loathing in New Vegas. I have to know, other than the silky outfits and the scantily clad women, <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the way that they're portraying Randall Flagg's Las Vegas. It was stupid. Yeah. Honestly, I, I it was just dumb. It was, it had, first of all, what's with all the boozing and the coke? Like, seriously, um, did they just decide like, hey, you know what? We don't want to do the source material this way and do this any justice. I thought it was stupid. The, the whole gladiator ring thing. Mm-hmm. Fucking stupid. I think Lloyd Henry is such an abysmal character in this. Like, and not, not the way that we want. Well, Lloyd... I had really high hopes for Lloyd when he first showed up because he fit that smarmy baby face killer. I thought Nat Wolf played that really well. His scene with Flag I thought was really well done. And I could see where this character would become the Lloyd. And you don't have to follow him explicitly from the book. That's fine. But he's Flag's right hand man for a reason. You know, people go to him for a reason. And he also has that little bit of complexity where towards the end of the whole book, he starts to doubt Flag's power. He starts to wonder what's wrong with Flag, if he should stay. Of course, he feels that loyalty to Flag because he saved his life. But in this episode, it was like he became this weird bumbling caricature of this. I don't even I don't. I, he was just a, a dumbass. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking, why is Flag depending on this guy to take care of the day-to-day things when clearly he's an idiot? <laughs> he's just trying to bang Julie, and that's it, and yeah. unable to, which I thought was funny, by the way. <laughs> you mentioned Flag. She knows. <laughs> Mention his name. He won't do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even- I think that's it, that's kind of funny that she's kind of using him yeah. to like also be a higher up yeah. and still not, you know... Um, how do I say this politely without being, uh, not giving him the goods? Right. I guess is the uh, way to put it. But which I, but I thought that was funny. But this, I don't know this Lloyd Henry at all. It, I don't know who this guy is. He's dressed like JD, um, in his imagination when JD and Turk are wearing their <laughs> oh, pimp yes! hats and their pimp outfits, and their leather. Yeah, and the and he's kind of st- <laughs> like yeah, he's got that swagger. Like it's like, dude, this is the stand, not scrubs. Act accordingly. Well, and I. His red leather outfit, I know other people have, like, compared it to Eddie Murphy's, I think, his outfit that he wore for his stand-up, Raw. Raw. But I was like, I just put a glove on his hand, and I'm just saying Michael Jackson. (laughs) I just, I, even Julie's character in this episode felt, and she wasn't smart by any means, but she felt less manipulative, less vindictive. Uh, Lloyd didn't feel at all threatening. And those two people, you know, with Julie, you know that she's mentally unbalanced. And if she sees Tom, she could ruin everything. And my husband even looked at me. He goes, oh, my God, is she going to see Tom and know who he is? 
But you don't feel like you're really, okay, even if she sees Tom, she's too stupid to recognize him as Tom. And that kind of is where they went with that. She's like, oh, he kind of looks like the big fat Phoebe or whatever, excuse the term. Yeah. But And even Lloyd was just kind of dumb and out of it. I just didn't understand what they were supposed to be. I didn't feel, I didn't feel scared for Dana's life while she was with them. And I think they were riding that line like, do they know who she is? Because Flag already knows who she is. Um, but you don't feel like her life is in danger with those two because they're so stupid. Exactly. And there, once again, um, actually, to get back to the uh, the Tom thing. Yeah. Uh, if, if Dana knew him, she would know that he can't fucking read. So why is she giving that piece of paper that says run? Yes. But, yeah. Thank you. Because as soon as she did that, I said, she, I said he can't read. So how is he? And he read it M-O-O-N. <laughs> <laughs> Which was amazing. Yeah, but... <laughs> no, I thought that was great too. No, 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 because he was just like M O O. Uh oh. Uh oh. There was no fourth it. letter. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, why couldn't she just say you need to r- get out of here? Like, just say it. No one's listening to you. They're too stupid yeah. to listen to what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I just I didn't feel any kind of threat, or I didn't feel any kind of power coming from Lloyd. It just it was really disappointing. And you know the thing about quote unquote new vegas at least there were people there who were good people there were just people there who got who were vulnerable to flags manipulations who were scared who wanted that kind of authority leader to guide them back into society because they didn't know where else to go so they went to vegas because he had the power on before boulder he has a charisma about him that makes you believe it and you know in the book when he meets with dana he almost convinces her that he's not as bad as Mother Abigail is saying. He just, They just want to live their life. They want Boulder to live theirs. He has that ability. And here it's just like all of the freaks came out to live with Flag in Vegas. And it kind of, to me, goes against the whole point of what these two good and evil is really supposed to be. Because they really took evil to a literal, like they went literal with it. In the Vegas, and with like the leather chaps and the the gar- but yeah, well, what's with the, like the two thousands, like the the late nineties, early two thousands goth look right. going on in this? <sighs> um, I also found it odd that uh, in several scenes we're we're seeing people fucking. There were a couple of, like you know yeah, somebody's getting a blowjob in the hallway, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? Why are we showing this? Like, oh, but what's the like, what's the people need pleasure? I get it. It's Las yeah. Vegas, but yeah, what was the point of it? And also. Now, why are they crucifying people now? What's right. the reason? It was because they were addicts. It was because they were breaking his laws. And that was Flag's thing. No drug use. No thievery. Yeah. He was being this pure leader. He was being what Mother Abigail is to these people. That if you break the rules, you do drugs, you steal things, you go against what you know this society he's building, you're going to pay the ultimate price. But all these people are doing that stuff. And so why are they, Yeah, like you said, what are they crucifying people for? A- apparently, the only people they're throwing into that gladiator ring are people that they find on the street and just drag in. Because with Tom, they said that, you know, if someone shows up and wants to be a citizen on their own, they're free. But yeah, it just it felt very literal, very it did. It, like you said, you didn't recognize this Lloyd. I don't recognize this Las Vegas and I guess I just it just struck me as all these people here are terrible people and you're not going to feel bad for them when they get what's coming to them. Whereas in the book, you're kind of like it happened because of flag. But there were some people there 
kids were there. You know, it, yeah. it, it made that whole scene a little bit more emotional. In this one, you're just going to be like, bye. <laughs> like, we're not going to miss yeah. any of these people. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I almost, and it's going to sound horrible, but I don't, I almost, like, don't care. Exactly. Almost. Yeah. They're going to have to do some pretty majestic shit. Yeah. For me to give a fuck. And I'm guessing, well, so we've got four episodes left, mm-hmm. uh, three that we're familiar with. So this right. this last episode, we're not, we've got three episodes left to tell the story that we know so well. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even met Trash Can Man yet. Um, are we going to get Big Steve's story? I, uh, they still have to go on their walk to Vegas. Well, you know, Big Steve, I get excited every time Kojak comes on the screen. I am not holding my breath for Big Steve because they brought Big Steve slash Kojak with them. Remember, in the book, they had to leave him behind, and then he made yeah, his journey. That's true. But they had a truck or a jeep or whatever they were driving now, and Kojak was in the back. So that's a good point. You know, yeah. I think that he will be more of a factor. Obviously, um, spoilers are ahead, but when <laughs> <laughs> when Stu breaks his leg and Kojak returns and stays with him um, to keep basically keep him alive until Tom finds him. But which is great because I think Kojak is a very important character, despite the fact that he's just a dog. But I don't think we're going to get any of that. I I am imagining we will see Trash Can Man for one or two episodes, if that. I kind of have a feeling he's a one episode character, which is really depressing. But if we haven't met him now, I don't think we're going to have like his backstory unless they show it really quick in a flashback. But even then, I don't know. I don't know if they can really... I think maybe they're just going to keep him kind of this mysterious pyro. Yeah, which might... Once again, the story it, mm-hmm. that they're telling now... Might fit. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, get- I mean, what? but what about the airport? He's got to blow up the airport. Does he, though? Or maybe... Yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe Flag just says, Hey, go out and find the nastiest weapons you can find for me. And then he returns with a nuke. And then that's it. You know, we we might not get his complete destruction of the airport. We don't even see that happening in Vegas yet. It's just flags kind of hanging out in the penthouse um, while everyone's doing their thing below. And I don't really see, I guess I don't really see the daily going ons of Vegas right now and just how dangerous they are to Boulder. Because right now they're not really doing anything or showing us any sign that they're getting ready to maybe even destroy Boulder. Yeah, it's just, hi, we're in Vegas, and uh, mm-hmm. everybody's uh, lewd. So just let it happen. And coked out. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. What do they need to... <laughs> I know a flag is flag, but why do you have to destroy Boulder? Like, what, what threat are they to you right now? They're not going to take any of your people. Your people aren't leaving. They're not going to leave to go to Boulder, whereas in the book, you could see they were leaving because... What they had in Vegas was not what they expected. And now you don't yeah. see that there. It's not this whole, like, come to Jesus moment. Like, this guy is not a man. We're in danger here. We need to leave. They all know what he is. They know that he's, you know, this king of their, I don't want to say sins, because I don't think that's what that is, but just their base desires. So why would they leave? Why is he afraid? I just, I guess the motivation of it kind of confuses me now with this um, perception of what Vegas is in this new series. There's that. There's, I mean, I, I guess I'm just going to keep going back to the fact of like, we're, we're going to find out in, a, in four weeks. Yeah. 
what like whether or not this was good or this was bad but like i don't have an entire opinion on it because it's not finished yet mm-hmm. and who knows this this epilogue that king wrote might be the glue of it all well but you and i are also like so in tune with this story because we know it like the back of our hands yeah that it's kind of like that's why I'm accepting a lot of the changes, right. but the Lloyd Henry changes make zero there, sense. Yeah. And uh, Vegas being what it is makes zero sense. That's very disappointing. And, you know, I was, I'm willing to accept changes. I was disappointed by the lack of the Lincoln Tunnel, but I accepted it because, like you said, it fit with the story that they were in. I, there could have been reasons why they changed things. It's usually the smaller stuff that I'm sitting here like, why did you have to change it? They've completely changed Lloyd's character, like completely. It doesn't even remotely resemble Lloyd in the book whatsoever. <laughs> so to me, it was like, all right, I don't even really know what the expansion of Julie was for, because I knew that she was going to get a bigger role. But I'm sitting here like, why? I know that she's going to see Tom. I know that she's going to, you know, blow the whistle on that, assuming they follow the book. But they didn't need her to be this Lloyd's, you know quote unquote girlfriend <laughs> other than just to show some some boobs and butt <laughs> for people watching which i'm sure people have enjoyed just as much as you enjoyed it and it's fine but i just character wise i just don't get what the point of it was and again we might see more in the next episode or two of what's happening and i think after harold and nadine's plan comes to fruition that'll speed things up a little bit because that's a that's a huge moment so but I guess I did things that I did like in this last episode. I really enjoyed Dana. I thought that her, the woman playing her, Natalie Martinez, I think she was really good. I really enjoyed the scene with Flag. I liked uh, there. I actually enjoyed that scene more than I enjoyed her scenes with Lloyd and Julie and even Tom. I thought that was fine. But like you said, if she really knew Tom, she would know he can't read. But she was really great. Um, I enjoyed a lot. <laughs> I liked how she went out. That was very creative. <laughs> Good for her. It was great. <laughs> Man. Was, and I, you see her psyching herself out. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack for a second. Yeah. I thought her scenes with, uh, with Lloyd and Julie were stupid. Yeah. They made no sense. Once yeah. again, she's supposed to be with him, but yeah. that's okay. Fine. Fuck it. Whatever. Threesome, I uh, guess. Uh, but it just made, I don't know. I think I've harped on that en- enough. But that final scene of hers, like the two of them together. It was great. Uh, her and um, Skarsgård. Yeah. Skarsgård? Skarsgård. 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 Yeah, that's it. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I, lo- I loved him laughing about getting stabbed in the neck. Oh, <laughs> that was that great. Was yeah. Pulled off really well. <laughs> but also like watching her psych herself into killing herself. Yeah. Was really, really well done. You could see that she knew she had to do it. Yeah. And she knew she had to do it in the book, but watching it, um, that was rough because she knew just based on him getting back up and, you know, his whole freaky eyes, that reminded me of, uh, uh, what is it called? An it? The deadlights. <laughs> when there's weird, that weird spacey looking thing in his eyes, I was like, wow, that's like the deadlights. Freaked her out. That was scary. Um, so she knew that if she didn't die, he was going to torture her, get the name of the spy, and then kill her. So she went out like a badass, like she did in the book. And God, that was gruesome, too. It was crazy. So I really, I think that was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire episode was just that scene between the two of them. And you saw that she was afraid, 
but she still like held her ground, you know. But so, I mean, I, I'll I'll say I didn't really care for episode five that much, right? But I loved the end of it. I, I all right, I loved everything with Owen Teague, but you know, the water's wet, the sky is blue, <laughs> um, and this guy's given like that show's gonna suck. Like once once Harold's fate is uh, yeah comes to fruition, what's gonna happen? Uh, this show's not gonna be so good anymore, right? Uh, I liked that, and I liked the dinner. The dinner scene was uh, good. The dinner scene. That was, was that was brutal. <laughs> His story about the ice cream. <laughs> then go- yeah. Poor Fran, man. She got called out. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was but actually even like just how his his face changes when he says goodbye. Yeah, yeah, and like, like when it's, she it's wants him to stay. Goodbye. Yeah, and he's looking at her like, "You want me to?" St-? He's like, "Oh, it's early." He's giving her that look like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like, what are you up to? You have never been this nice to me before." And Vince even said to me, he's like, well, that was her problem. She was being too nice to him. Of course, he's going to get suspicious and want to get the hell out of there. So because she's been pretty awful to him through this whole series. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing like the book, but it works. Right. And to be fair to Fran, he has his moments where he needs to be. I felt like she almost needed to be cruel to him under that bridge to tell him no, because I don't think he would have gotten it otherwise. I think he would have kept trying. So, and she has moments in the book where she's not that nice, especially with the diary, but it is what it is. But I thought that scene was pretty great. I liked their interactions. It was kind of tense with him coming home with Larry still in the house. So, but Larry didn't really even find anything, which was depressing because they are supposed to find something, but they didn't. So I think the whole, uh, what do you think of the teddy bear camera in a post-apocalyptic world? Uh, Wi-Fi. Oh my God. Where's the Wi-Fi? How did he do Debbie that? Debbie brought that up. Yeah. How- but I know that those things also existed before Wi-Fi. Uh, the, uh, the teddy bear cams. So, so he, so what I'm, what I'm assuming is he went out, got a camera to attach to something in their bedroom or wherever he was going to put it. And he has cameras in his house, too. It's just very odd, I guess. And like you said, they had Wi-Fi before all this. That's fine. And they were able to do the camera thing before Wi-Fi. And, but it's just, I'm, I'm like, how did he do that? And wh- well, I can understand why he's creepy, but holy crap. Especially his little smile at the end there when they found out Abigail was gone. Like, he's just insanely good. And like you said, I think it will, I think the show's going to suffer a little bit once, oh, uh, Owen Teague, once Harold meets his fate, so to speak. Which is actually depressing. I was happy yeah. when he was gone in the book, but now I'm like, I want, I want Harold. Harold, to me, is a better villain in this series than Flag. <laughs> he's so far the only villain in this series. You're right. Yeah. At least it feels that way. Because you see Flag and you know he's supposed to be this big bad. You don't really see why yet. Um, other than what Dana did to herself and the crucified guy coming to Boulder. And his him being in dreams. But like, what has he done so far that makes you really see him as this huge threat? Whereas I see Harold, more Harold than Nadine especially. And he scares me more than Flag does. Because I think he's more... I guess based in reality, and I think that he has a hell of a lot more rage than Flag does. So it'll be it'll be fun to see where they take his character. And I wonder now if his character will leave the series the same way his character does in the book. You know, I just I don't know I anymore. I think it will 
I, I think he will just because of the whole premonition in the first episode. The foreshadow. Yeah, the foreshadow. With the bike, yeah. Jesus, fuck. Yeah. Well, the, the foreshadowing. Too, yeah. We'll see. And I think that's part of why I'm enjoying the series as much as I am is because they've changed so much so far that I almost can't predict other than the huge, you know, the huge plot points. I can't predict where they're going with anything because what I think is going to happen might not happen or might happen a completely different way. So I think that kind of adds a little bit of benefit to this uh, change. Let me ask you this. Mm hmm. How do you feel about how Boulder looks? It's not how I pictured it, but I mean, I guess it's fine. I think that I don't know. I get it, it's fine for what it is. I don't really have a good feel for Boulder. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Because we really have seen the inside of the school and uh, some of the houses, but I don't really get a feel for the community or the town as a whole, I guess. Um, and that's kind of how I felt about Vegas until they, you know, cause they only really show, they show the landscape and then they show the inside of this gladiator ring or whatever. And then like the hotel. Okay. That's fine. But I don't know. I guess I just, Boulder's fine. I don't, it's fine. <laughs> I did not. It doesn't look anything like I pictured. Well, and I think my head was filled with, and I, I, get annoyed when people continually compare the 94 series to this because I've done it too. But in the 94 series, you see Boulder. Like I got a feel for Boulder in that series because they were always outside. They're always doing stuff. This one is just kind of like it could have been any town. I don't really know what the significance of Boulder is in this series. Why didn't they just stay in Hemingford? Well, Hemingford Home. That's another minor thing I did not like was changing Hemingford Home into a retirement home for Miss for Mother Abigail to live. <laughs> Why? I didn't like it. I'm sorry. I just didn't like it. I did not like that change. I did not care for that at all myself. Uh, Especially since Hemingford Home, like her leaving her family's legacy thing. behind. Yes. Yeah. It takes away from her character completely because she is 108 years old. She's been living on her own for decades at her childhood home. She's attached to it. She had children there. Her husband's, <laughs> I think she was married, what, three times. It meant so much to her. And that is a big part of this character, the cornfields. Why are we having cornfields in the dreams if she's not at home with her corn? So when they changed it to a retire, the Stephen King cameo was funny. I laughed, but. Oh, that cameo. <laughs> I forgot to bring that up to you. That cameo was awesome. It was so funny. If it's because it's that Stephen King. I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> but I think having Mother Abigail in a home. And that's not to say that people who are in a retirement home have lost something. But I think that that kind of takes away like the strength of her character. That she's still this this elderly woman and she's surviving on her own and she's strong. Now she's sitting in a chair surrounded by dead bodies, which I'm sorry at that point would have smelled so bad. And she's waiting for someone to come get her. And it just, I didn't enjoy that. I don't know why they did it. I don't, I mean, she called it Hemingford home, Colorado. So yeah. I just, I didn't like that. And I did not really enjoy her character portrayal in that, in the fourth episode, yelling at Nick for sending the spies. It felt so out of character. 
honestly, I don't really understand what Mother Abigail's role is in this series. She feels almost like a non-factor to me. She really is. Yeah. It's just, but you also can't do this without that character. Exactly. But now that yeah. she's left, but oh, we'll see. Yeah, I just, but she hasn't been prominent enough for you to really feel the weight of her leaving. That's true too. Yeah, and well, that's also why I said like the week before. Even though we don't have all of that development, uh-huh. we still feel some of the gut punches. Right. And now it's either right. because we know the story so well yeah. or because it was just done that well. Mother Abigail leaves. It's like, oh, there's a note on the door. Okay. She spelled her name neat. wrong, too, by the way. Yeah, it's A-B-A, I know. It's A-B-A, not A-B-I. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that bugged me. I know. <laughs> that bugged me so bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so weird, though, because like the first three episodes- or actually, for, they were just strong. They were so different, but they were strong right. enough. And then this last one, it's finally linear, which didn't matter to me either way. But it was just uh, eh. bleh. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I was really disappointed with parts of it. I I did, I enjoyed the scenes in Boulder more than I did the scenes in Vegas. Although, like I said, I really, really did enjoy um, Dana and Flag's confrontation. And I pointed this out. My husband didn't catch it. And I was wondering if someone else did. When they did the aerial shot of Dana, when Dana was with Lloyd and Julie overlooking that power, I think, I don't know, was that a power grid or a water dam where they first met her? Oh, yeah. I don't, I think it was a power grid because she had that whole, she was doing, um, you know, physical labor because they showed her doing that yeah. in Boulder. But then they show this aerial shot going over and coming down into Vegas. And I have to say, despite my dislike of how Vegas was portrayed, I thought that they had some really cool shots in that in the episode and they show it coming down and going up the road into the heart of Las Vegas, the strip. And you can see Tom on his bike, biking into yes. Vegas. I was like, oh, yes. I was like, yes, I did see that. Okay, yes. good. Because I was like, oh, did you see that? And he's like, what? I was like, Tom was <laughs> he was on his bicycle. It was so cute. It was so cute. But they really did. Uh, so I thought that there were shots in Vegas, uh, camera shots that I thought were just gorgeous. But overall, the overall feeling of it was really disappointing to me. So, But and another thing that I enjoyed, which I know that you had brought this up, was Tom and Nick's goodbye. Because I felt that a lot more than I felt Mother Abigail's leaving. Because... We actually see Tom and Nick together more than we see Mother Abigail in this series. So their goodbye was really touching. And like you said, you didn't know if that was just something they did really well or we felt the emotional weight of it because, you know, we know the book so well. But my husband got really kind of choked up about it. He was like, oh, my God, because <laughs> he was. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. He was like when Tom was saying that he really wished his main man, Nick, could go, which was from the book. And, you know, he kind of got choked up because he didn't want to go alone. And then they were hugging. My husband was literally going, oh, my God, like he was really touched by that. So I think that that really shows you how well those actors have done with those two characters. Whereas when Mother Abigail left, he was just kind of like, where'd she go? (laughs) I was like, oh, she, she went into the wilderness to find God again. But he just didn't really. I don't know. He doesn't have really any emotional attachment to Mother Abigail whatsoever. So I think that's tells you everything you needed to know about how she's being portrayed and i had a lot of high hopes for Whoopi as mother abigail but i just don't know that she really understands the character very well because i'm just not feeling it at all and i hate to say that i'm with you on that 100 percent, though yeah you told me (laughs) 
I, I, I predicted <laughs> you that. You did. That's true. You told me. <laughs> I, the, you were correct. The thing that I love, though, mm-hmm. and I love being wrong about, <laughs> is that your husband doesn't know the book. He doesn't know this story like we do. Right. And the fact that he's loving the show, it's not for you and myself and my wife and you know everybody else that knows the book, right. knows the source material. It's for everybody. It's for new people, so yeah. I'm, I'm loving that he loves it, yeah. which is great. So maybe, you know, we've got to surrender to the flow just a bit more. Right. And I am willing to do that. And I think that I'm enjoying it a lot more than some people are who are very, they want source material adaptation, which I understand. And I've seen a lot of people, oh, well, you know, 94 series, 94 series. And in my head, I just want to say, you know, I'm telling them, if you want the 94 series, watch the 94 series. It's not going to be a shot for shot remake of the 94 series. That's not what they're doing here. So thank God, because yeah. um, you know where I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, it. Oh, Franny. You know, ugh, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I have to admit that the 94 series compared to this one follows the book more faithfully. But you're also missing out on a lot of the darker aspects of the book, which I think this series is handling pretty well. We wouldn't have gotten that elsewhere. So I'm I'm fine with it being different. I'm fine with it not being a remake of the 94 series. I don't want that. I want to see something new. I have my gripes. I have my complaints. But I also have a lot of it that I've really liked. It, just their expansion of Teddy's character. I think did a great job at humanizing Harold, whereas in the book, he's just kind of isolated and alone until Nadine shows up and takes hold of him. So I like that they gave Harold a lot more motivation. They gave him more. <laughs> what? Takes hold of oh, him. Oh, man. Come on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're gross. <laughs> Explicit. Explicit. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's fine. But I mean, essentially, that that's what she does literally in Yeah, in both ways. She does that. Yeah. So I really- Christ, yeah. why would you set me up like that? Holy <laughs> I, shit. You know what? I didn't even, until you started laughing, I don't know what I said. And then I was like, oh, okay. I hear it now. So yeah. it's fine. You didn't mean it. And once again, um, you know, how is, I'm, uh, how is, I'm a male. We talked about my husband liking this a lot. So how is your wife enjoying it? You said she's- read the book yes okay so is she liking it as much as you or not as much uh pretty much in the same boat yeah. like just we'll we'll know better when it's over uh and you guys recently watched did you recently watch the 94 series yes okay yeah i we're doing that um when this is over my husband has agreed to watch the 94 series with me to compare the two he's also mentioned wanting to read the book which uh, yeah, it is exciting for me, but at the same time, he doesn't read at all. So I kind of want to be like, let's start you out with something smaller <laughs> and get you into this. But he did. I mean, I know a great podcast yeah. that he could listen to. <laughs> I told him, I was like, you could just read one chapter a week <laughs> and listen to the podcast if you have questions. But he. True. Yeah. And I explained to him, because as we're watching the show, sometimes he'll pause it because he has questions. And he looked at me and he said, okay, how many of the core characters die? And I I was like, <laughs> I didn't want to answer because honestly, if you think about it, if you think about the survivors, spoilers are ahead. If you think about the survivors, there's like maybe out of the core characters, two or three. And that's a lot of characters who die. And you don't really realize that till you're ending the book. And you're like, damn, like, 
there aren't that many from the beginning who are still with us. But I didn't have the heart to tell him that because I don't know that he'll want to keep watching if he knows what's to come. So I especially in this version too. So like yeah. uh, we know that you know Stu, mm-hmm. Tom, Fran, mm-hmm. Kojak, mm-hmm. and probably Crycheck. Oh yeah, um, love Crycheck. Are going to survive? Yeah, I'm okay with Crycheck surviving. He's aged really well in my eyes. <laughs> I I enjoy. He Krychek. looks he looks uh, he looks the same. Yeah, um, just with lighter, just with gray hair. He looks like Crycheck. So I'm okay with that. Isn't it weird that? Crycheck saved the universe when Ant-Man uh, got out of the quantum realm. What? That's me. Yeah, I, I just went really nerdy on you. Yeah, I don't know what in that Endgame. is. No. In Endgame. Well, you know how, all right, in- um, Spoilers uh, for the Endgame. <laughs> oh, Fight yeah. the Future. Okay, yeah. All right, so okay. Fight the Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everybody's like, oh, you know, like, th- there's a rat that walks by, and that's Crycheck. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> like, cool. So, in Endgame, uh-huh. when- uh, 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 Ant-Man gets out of the quantum thing It's because a rat Walked onto the thing oh. And just Turned it on by accident <laughs> that- I don't know how the fuck I got Oh because we mentioned Crycheck And all of a sudden I was like Oh yeah hey How did you get to that That is crazy <laughs> um, You've heard my show right yes. I have no uh, My train of thought Is constantly derailed Now I'm going to think of that The next time I watch Endgame That's awesome You're going to see You're going to yeah. see Crycheck Yeah There he is Saving the day I love Crycheck Saving the day Yes, I need to. I am still rewatching. I'm on season four of the X Files with no cry check yet this season, but I'm crossing my fingers that he'll show up again soon. So, but I, I uh, season four. Is, wait, season five and then the movie. No, so yeah, no, he's in season season five and then it's fight the future and then season six. I believe. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on season four and I think I'm on episode six or seven of season four. So. I'm, it's slow going, but I try to watch it during the week. Weekends are harder, but we're still in season two. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. I'm wearing actually in, right now. I'm wearing my sweatshirt, my Molder. It's me sweatshirt because that's Scully's nice Molder. It's me every time. So I'm wearing my Molder sweatshirt right now. But <laughs> anyway, so there's Crycheck. a later episode I'm looking forward to with Parker Posey when she's like, "Hey, by the way, how did you guys get back from Antarctica?" It's Parker so good. Posey, yes. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm not too excited once I get past season seven, but I've determined I'm determined mm. to finish the series, so I'm gonna have to hang in there and get through it. So, but the first are you gonna do the uh, revival I, uh, seasons? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've watched mm. I watched season ten, and I watched a lot of season eleven. Not that there was many episodes, but I don't really remember much of them. I remember two episodes of season ten and eleven. One was the Wear Monster. Which was brilliant. Yeah. And then the other was with, oh shit, the the lost art of forehead sweat or something like that. It was one, the guy who said that he's been their partner this whole time and they just- Reggie. Yes, Reggie. He was- Yes. That was so That's good. That's a great one. That was so good. And I feel like the revival episodes worked best when they were humorous. The rest of them were fine, but I thought the humorous episodes were really the strength of the revival. Those two, those two comedy episodes yeah. were great. They were so good. In each season. Um, the others were, I mean, I hated, uh, was it season 10 or 11? How the fuck did we get here? This is my I don't fault. Know. I, I brought up Nicholas Lee. <laughs> Nic- Crycheck. Uh, I mentioned the Crychecks are going to survive. Norris, yeah. Uh, with, yeah. Norris, yes. Norris. The, uh, oh, although. Um, there's that scene on the porch in season 10 or 11's um, premiere uh-huh. where it's just 
every catchphrase from the entire series is in this conversation. And I was just like, get the fuck over yourself. I don't remember. And that's oh, that God. tells you how forgettable the revival was, which is a shame because I was so excited for the revival. Like the X-Files when it was on for those first seven seasons was like my life. And now like I'm like, ah, I was so excited. And then it was just a little disappointing. Um, I do have to say, though, we said that Crycheck might survive. He plays Chad Norris, who, spoilers, dies oh, yeah. in the so explosion. He, yeah, so he's not going to. So, yeah, I mean, he could survive. survive. He could. But I don't know. I mean, with all the changes that they're making. Why not? You know, who knows? They're not going to kill Sue. Sue died from a gunshot wound to the head. She's dead already. She's not even a factor in the series whatsoever. So correct, uh, and same with the doctor, but uh, think, the dentist. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Ellis, right? Ellis. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We had two Ellises on. Yeah, this one. we did. But you think think about who is in that house. These are major spoilers, but think about who's in that house when the bomb goes off. It's Sue, Norris, mm-hmm. and Nick. Right? Everybody else files out yes. because that's when Mother Abigail has come back. So yes. if there's no Sue, or and maybe Norris will be in there, I don't know. Is it just going to be, is Nick the only casualty in that whole thing? Because what, like eight or nine people died from just, you know, the debris and everything. So I don't know how, what they're going to do with that. I, I guess I'm eager to see where they go with it and who else might, you know, be on the bad end of a piece of furniture. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know who gets hit by a couch. Yes, we do. Yes. So a flaming couch. A flaming couch. Yeah. And I hope they kind of show that. And somebody, I think somebody got almost decapitated by a piece of metal or something. Um, Isn't it Stu? No. It somebody died from was it Teddy? There there's a girl, I think. Wasn't it I think it was like Patty Kroger or somebody like that from the zoo oh, died. Yes. I don't know if it was Patty or not. I, yeah. I it's it's been a while since I've read the book. Um uh, <laughs> I can't remember. But yeah, it's. I'll be excited. To, I'm excited to see what they're going to do because if they take away these characters that you know are part of the body count, and then who are they going to replace with it, if anybody? So I don't know. We'll see, I guess. But you never know. I don't know that Crycheck's going to make it through, which is a shame because I like his character just fine. And they already got yeah, he's doing all right. Teddy, so I don't know. It's fine. I guess we'll have to wait and see. We've got. It's Sunday now, it's Sunday. so we've got four days. Yep, we got yep. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, and I think this one, this next episode is called The Vigil. I assume that's going to be for Mother Abigail. I don't know. So I I just, uh. and you know, the, <laughs> not to backtrack several, several minutes ago, but I know how you said uh, when you brought up Dana having been the only one um, sleeping with Lloyd, and then they had to get all titillating, ha, huh, and have the threesome. But doesn't she get like she gets a lot of information out of him before she's discovered? Not that yeah. she's able to, but yeah, tons, tons of information about the air, the uh, the airport. It's not an airport, the air force base or whatever it was. Um, just what flags doing, and I think they really missed that opportunity of giving her purpose by being there because they were kind of like, okay, that's in Dana, and she does see some stuff, but mostly she's just following around Julie and Lloyd, who who aren't. I mean, what do they know? What are they going to, what is she going to be able to get? You know what I mean? They know where to score some Coke. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And I really, 
you're not allowed to do drugs in the book in Vegas or you die. Yeah, that blew my mind. Yeah, so I think. And I also, I miss the fact that Dana made a good friend out there that was oh, a Jenny. good person. Jenny, yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe they were trying to like make Julie into that character, but Julie just doesn't have any depth. She's just, I liked her in the first, when we first saw her, I liked her a lot. I was like, this is mentally unstable Julie Lowry. But in this, it's just like, she's so stupid. Like, she's just not, uh, I don't know, whatever. I can't, I guess I can't bitch about it too much. I'll wait until the end of the series. They're junky assholes. That's what yeah, it boils down basically. to for the, and they're, for the they're, time It's being. pointless. Dana being there, no wonder she kept asking for flag because she's not going to get anything out of these two people. If she knew that she could get something out of Lloyd by sleeping with him, she does it in the book without any hesitation. And then here is she's kind of like, I'm going to hide these scissors <laughs> in case I need to use them. <laughs> so it's okay. It's, yeah. It's fine. And it's just I'm nitpicking, I think, at this point. But I don't know. Well, that's all there's left to do at this point Yeah, at this point, point there's as well, like- is just to dwell on the little things that I enjoyed or didn't enjoy. So, But yeah, I think out of everything so far, the fifth episode was probably my least favorite of the series so far <sighs> but i'm still excited to watch the Definitely next one same. so oh same yeah same we'll see what happens and then when it's all done we can come back on here and bitch about it or talk about how they saved it yeah redeem themselves i guess yeah Sa- uh, yeah that, that'll be it i have seen some people saying that this should have been a much longer series which i agree with but Yes. Beggars can't be choosers. It's been five, six years since they even started doing this. So I'm just going to take what I can get and just be okay with it. So whatever. Oh, it's even longer than that because one time oh, yeah. Affleck was uh, attached to direct Oh, that's it. right. That was like 2012? 12. Ugh, yeah, it was right Boone, after Argo. Yeah, Boone didn't get in until 14. So yeah, you're right. And then he ditched it to go do Batman. Yep. Ugh. Yep. Oh, all right. Well, not just for- doing batman but just to get sober again i believe as well oh good for him yeah uh, but you know we'll see I, yeah. I, i'm sure he would have directed an amazing stand though that would have been great yeah i think there there is a lot of potential but i can see how making it into a feature film or even like a series of films would have been really hard because if that first film doesn't make any money it's dead you know so at least here with this, we get a series and we know that at least we're going to get nine episodes and I don't know. I hope, I'm really hoping they don't pull an under the dome thing and try to keep it going. Oh, you know, that's been a fear, <laughs> but. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I gave up on under the dome, I think the third episode yes, of the second me, season. I was yes. like, I don't care. Fuck Oh my people. God, you made it to a second season. Well, I think I started watching the second season and I gave up. I think I got through the end of the first season, but they had changed so it wasn't even it was just the name and the concept i was really disappointed because i enjoyed the book a lot which it seems to be one of those king king books that people either really like or just like this was shit but i liked it (laughs) i thought was good i thought that uh big jim rennie was one of his best villains that he's ever written he's just such a horrible person um actually i've never read the book oh my god uh, so i'm just going by uh (laughs) yeah i know i'm just going by um, well, what the hell did I read? I'm glad I didn't. Spo- did you? Do you know what happens in the book? Because I'm not going to tell you. But I have no idea. Okay. I have zero oh, clue. I'm glad I- and, I, and I also don't know if I've got the patience to find out. Um, but one of these days I will. It's a big book. It took me several months to finish it. I actually reread it la- two years ago. I think I reread it while I was on. I started while I was on vacation. But Big Jim Rennie is obviously you know him. He's oh god, what's the actor's name in the series? Dean Nor Dean Norris. 
the bald yeah. guy. His character is just oh god, it's awful. He's awful, but it's he's so good. He's definitely one of King's better characters he's written lately, in my personal opinion. But I thought it was a pretty good book. If you're ever really bored and you want to read another thousand plus pages, I'd say pick up Under the Gnome. I probably will at some point. <laughs> Someday. Who knows when. But no, I mean, it's it's on my list yeah. of uh, of wants. Someday. It's just, uh, you know, I, uh, I know that you're currently in the uh, gunslinger yes, uh, universe. Yes, I am. And I just last night picked up the drawing of the three to start. So I will be excited. I like that one. I've heard good things about this one. The gunslinger was fine. I got through it. It had. <laughs> well, like I said, once you get past the first hundred pages, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you finally start to give a shit. You know, and actually the last, I'd say the last third of the book, I really liked it. But just getting to the last third of the book was difficult, but I pushed through. I got it done and I'm excited to start the drawing of the three because I've heard that Oh, this seems to be the favorite of a lot of King readers who have read the series. I'm excited to read this one and hopefully, hopefully I will get sucked in the way everybody else has. Because I really feel like I'm missing out. Like there's this whole like community of Dark Tower fans. My friend Marie, she has a cotet. Is it cotet? Is that how you say it? Cotet? I believe so. She has a tattoo of that. Like she loves. Oh, wow. Yeah. She loves of the K and everything so i i feel like i it's like um what do they use call it fomo <laughs> i need to get in on this <laughs> <laughs> these youths what's the uh, third book i don't know if, i think i only read the first um, two me... the drawing of the three i don't know i know wizards in glass is the fifth book wizards wizard in glass wizards in glass are you looking at are you looking it up yeah okay, i'm good. looking up now oh the wastelands the wastelands okay yeah, my husband- Wizards and Glass is the fourth. Oh, fourth book. There's seven, right? Yeah. Seven books? Seven or eight? There are seven books. Okay. And then there's a- uh, The Wind Through the Keyhole. That's the fifth. That's Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's actually 4.5. I have that book. I've had that book for a long time. Somebody bought it for me from like a used bookstore, but because I hadn't read the series, it just sits on my shelf. Well, at least now I have it. But I'm excited to read it. It's I'm intrigued, so that'll keep me going through the next book at least. So yeah, you've got uh, four thousand three hundred sixteen <laughs> pages to read. Can you? Um, what's that? No, I was gonna say, can you imagine if I did a chapter by chapter review of the Dark Tower series? I would be probably in my fifties by the time I finished that. So that would be a long that would be running a series, long ass podcast. Oh God, yeah. What are you reading right now? If, if um, I started rereading Lifting Shadows. It's a biography about the band Dream Theater. Nice. And then uh, a book came in from the library, and I always prioritize those. I don't like to read two books at a time, but sometimes it's just, you know. I do. No choice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back. I really liked the first book where it's the story of the movie. Yeah. Just told from somebody else's perspective. Whose perspective is this one? Each chapter is somebody totally oh, different. Oh, nice. They did it with uh, Star Wars as well. Okay. And I thought that was fun. And um, that book actually made the Star Wars holiday special canon. Oh, man. By including B. Arthur's uh, character. Awesome. So this one, I'm only uh, three chapters in, and I kind of felt bad for the Wampa. He was just trying <laughs> to protect his family and feed his family. Aw. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> That's really fascinating. So, spoiler. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting take. So okay. I'll see if I like this one as much as the first. And then I'm just going to go back to the Dream Theater book. Is it is it from 
the like do they do Luke and Leia and Han and all that too? Or are these like secondary um, characters? It's all secondary. Okay. So far, it's all secondary okay. characters. That's interesting. But that would be who fun. Who knows? Now, imagine if they did that with a King novel, told the story from different points of views. That would be fascinating. Just give me a book Just, uh, told from Big Steve's perspective. Big, oh, my God. Fucking Can set. you imagine the stand from Big Steve's perspective? Holy shit. If anyone out there writes fan fiction, do this. <laughs> I will read it. Please. I will read it. That would be so amazing. I would love it. Kojak is probably top five characters for me in this book. So I'm very excited. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So do you have anything else you want to add about the series? I know um, when we were talking about the first episode, we completely forgot to talk about Fran's suicide attempt. So I'm trying to jog our memories in case there's anything else we might have missed. I didn't make I didn't write any notes while I was watching just because I was too busy answering my husband's questions and trying to just (laughs) take take it in and enjoy it as I could. I, I think that we've I've touched on everything I think that I enjoyed slash did not enjoy. I believe I've done the same. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming back on and talking to me about it. It's so much nicer than just talking to myself <laughs> about what I liked <laughs> and didn't like. And why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, they can find me at WDIMpodcast.com, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, all WDIM Podcast. And of course, thank you for inviting me back. Of course. I was so excited when you would do it. I, I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to ask. And I was like, no, because you might not want to. And I was like, why well, don't want to do it myself? <laughs> so, oh, no, anytime. Okay. Anytime. Excellent. I Well, we got four more episodes to go. So you know that I'll probably definitely have you back for at least three, <laughs> three of them. I'm down. <laughs> awesome. I'm down for and it. then we can do one kind of just at the end. And we can figure out what we thought about the whole damn thing. And then, of course... The 94 series, when I watch it with my husband, it'll be fun to, you know, pop back on here and kind of compare the two if you're still up for that. Oh, hell yeah. So hell yeah. That'll at least- and just you're going to find in the fourth, third or fourth episode of that. Yeah. Um, there's three O's in Moon. What? I can't remember what Tom is saying and who he's saying it to, but he says M-O-O-O-N. Oh, Tom, come on. You know better than that. Tom. You know how to spell Moon. <laughs> of everything. Come on. That spells me. I I really thought that. Oh, you know what? Here's what it is. I really thought that she was going to wake up Tom. Uh, Dana was going to say, "Hey, do you want to see an elephant?" <gasps> oh, I was really hoping she would have said that yeah, instead, and that would. They didn't hypnotize him. Oh my god! They did not hypnotize him. They just asked him to go. They did not. That's do, right. Yeah, he just knows to come back when it's a full moon. They didn't have to do any of that, which was another change from. <laughs> but it, I mean, it was fine. Well, but, yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. So I was kind of, I had to explain to my husband, like, oh, they hypnotized him in the book because they wanted to, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this Tom seemed to be on board and seemed to know what he was supposed to do. So, yes, yeah, fine. Do they hypnotize him in the series, the 94 series? I, yep. Okay. I yep. couldn't remember. So that'll be. Spoiler. Spoiler. That'll be. <laughs> I'm just going to put spoiler in big, bold letters on the episode bio just be like just prepare for spoilers for everything yeah because good idea <laughs> for everything because i don't want people yelling at me so excellent well thank you so much for being on here with me again and i hope that you have a fantastic week and i hope my listeners have a fantastic week i hope everybody stays safe this week because it's going to be you know so 
this week. <laughs> this week. Let's just get through this week yeah. and then let's get to Thursday and let's watch The Stand and then let's just have that to complain about and nothing else. That would be great. Yes. Yes. Or or rave about. Yes. Let's let's not set up our set ourselves up for failure That's yet. That's true. I'm just coming off a very disappointing episode, so I'm kind of down here, but I'm hoping after Thursday I'll be a little bit higher up and then we can talk about what we thought about uh the next episode. So I guess, yes. I guess that's it for me. Um, if anybody is enjoying this podcast, if you're out there listening and you're enjoying The Circle Opens, it would be amazing if you would leave me a rating review on Apple Podcasts. And if you would like to get in touch with me, you can email me at thecirclecloses at gmail.com or find me on social media at The Circle Opens. And with that being said, everybody, M-O-O-N, that spells see you next week. <laughs>